Thanks for joining us for the MassMEP Manufacturing Podcast, Transforming Manufacturing Enterprises. MassMEP believes that there are some elements to a manufacturer's business, whether it's finding their inefficiencies, strengthening their internal processes, or even unlocking their growth that can extend a manufacturer beyond its current limitations. So every episode, take a journey with us as we speak with manufacturers, legislature, subject matter experts, and so many more as we head down the path of manufacturing across the state of Massachusetts. Whether we're in Boston, Worcester, or out in Springfield, maybe even in the Berkshires, we'll be here every week and we'll explain to you more about manufacturing and what's happening right in your own backyard. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Mass MEP Manufacturing Podcast. I'm Haley Steele. And I'm Emma Mailman. And today we are excited because we have a studio. (laughs) It's the real deal. Yeah, it really isn't a studio, but we are... it's a studio. Yeah, we've turned our conference room into a studio. There's seats and a table. Yes, and we have... And microphones. And guests sitting in front of us. (laughs) In person. This is exciting. So we are uh, really excited about today. Uh, We have a new guest with us, and we have a guest that is coming back with us. It's been a while, but we're glad to have her back. Um, And we're just going to talk to them a little bit about MassMEP, who we are, what we do. And also, we have a board. I don't know if people know about that. Not one that you, like, write things on, but an actual board that um, we'll have to get. You'll have to explain that, Dennis. I'm I'm still learning. Yeah, right, right. So that's why we have him here with us today. No, he's going to tell you a little bit about uh, his experience with being part of MassMEP on the board and also with us as a client, too, and how we work together. So I would like to introduce to you, though, we have with us, I'll introduce our new guest because our repeat guest. Um, We have with us Dennis Leonard. He is our MassMEP board chair, and he's also... (laughs) I'm, I'm general manager of OFS. Um, when my prior boss retired, um, I was offered the uh, position. So I've been in that role of general manager for four years now. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I need to update a LinkedIn. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I do. I, I, I haven't touched <laughs> LinkedIn in, in a long time. Guilty. Ask I'm guilty. Her, guilty as charged. Her, her LinkedIn profile and how it hasn't been updated since she was. I think 19. I just graduated high school. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so she has keep people to on their toes. Right. Yeah. I'm actually impressed that I had the CD manager of QA. Yeah. There. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, welcome. Thanks for joining us today, Dennis. So Dennis is You're the welcome. general manager at OFS. Right. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yep. OFS in Sturbridge, Massachusetts. There you go. Right down the road from us. So welcome. Uh, and I would love to welcome back Kathy Mahoney. She is now the Mass MEP president. Woo! Woo! Welcome back. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Thank you. So excited to be back. Oh, <laughs> yes. So Kathy's been with us before. So this is old hat for her. She knows what she's doing. Um, and so, you know, we always ask an icebreaker question. Mm-hmm. So the icebreaker question I have for you today. It's always the most nerve- nerve-wracking question. <laughs> Haley comes up with the best icebreaker. I'm on, I'm on pins and needles. <laughs> <laughs> He's already leaning forward. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, all right. Ready. All right. We're ready. Okay. <laughs> what was your least favorite job, I'd say as a teenager or young adult, but something that you did you take something from that job and still use it today 
Oh, Dennis, you have an answer. Good. Kathy's like, oh, good. I got to think about this. One. <laughs> All right, Dennis, go ahead. So I did spend uh, one summer working as a custodian at a local elementary school that through earlier conversation, I learned that both Kathy and I attended uh, back in Millbury, Massachusetts. And um, certainly the, the tasks involved, you know, made me, you know, think that I did want to attend college and, and strive to do something else. But what I walked away with was the pride that, those individuals that had those jobs as careers, the pride that they took in doing a good job well, and quite honestly, the things I learned, uh, you know, there's a skill set there, and I learned a nice skill set that I was able to carry on for life. That's great. That's great. Wow. Awesome. Yeah, you start appreciating people as absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Right? Like yeah. Late at night. Yeah. yeah. That's so. awesome. All right, Kathy, how about for you? So my least favorite job was um, I was a I delivered the Sunday paper, um, and I lived in a town that has a lot of hills, and I delivered it on a bike. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's a tough morning. <laughs> and I learned that it takes a lot of effort, and there is accounting because you have to track um, mm-hmm. who who's paid, when they've paid, that piece of it, make payments, right? Mm-hmm. So there were basic skills that I took, but the biggest thing I learned is I don't like riding a bike in the winter. <laughs> Sounds like a liability. <laughs> no, didn't didn't like it. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Oh yeah. God. How old were you when you did that? Oh god, like early um, teenage, seven seventh eighth grade, so yeah. twelve thirteen. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But it was fun. My girlfriend and I did it. We had a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, felt bad for the people that got their papers at noon. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I work at a very safety conscious company, and I, w- I would fully expect that they would have added training wheels to your bike to, you want, to help you yeah, out to change, keep you safe. Change, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, it was, oh it was a lot of fun. We had oh, a lot of fun. that's great. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Well, we just, I mean, we talk about that. I think, you know, when we get into what we do and life lessons that we learn and how things have transitioned, especially in the past couple of years. And so a lot of times we, we and what we do at MassMEP, we find ways to create that relevancy and then, correct, you know, connect that to a manufacturer. And those life skills that a lot of people don't realize they learn at that mm-hmm. point. And then when yeah. they can take that moment mm-hmm. and go, oh, and reflect, say, oh, I've got this and this is why I use it today. So that's kind of of why we asked you that question. See where you are with it today. Yeah. All right. So we're going to start with Dennis. Mm, your first on the hot seat. There you go. Spotlight's on you. <laughs> <laughs> don't get nervous yet. We're going to pepper you questions. Okay. <laughs> Um, so we did mention that you were on the board. Can you explain how long you've been there and then kind of the duties and tasks that the board's responsible for, some of your day-to-day responsibilities? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll even step it back a little bit um, how I um, got on the board. I had a um, longtime friend, um, college buddy that uh, worked here. Uh, Mr. Paul Fortier. Um, oh, we just talked to him the other day. We yeah, yeah. He's, he's a legend. <laughs> um, Paul and I have, have been close our you know whole uh, adult lives, and and 
you know, as Paul came to, to learn that the board was looking for additional members, um, he certainly thought of myself. Um, Paul and I have, you know, shared um, a career path, a career paths that were similar. And as such, he felt that um, I would be a nice addition to the board. So um, about two years ago, and uh, I was more than happy to uh, accept. And this being my first um, board that I've been involved with, I had a, a lot to learn. I, I really, really did not um, understand going in uh, fully the expectations. Um, I had seen it a bit from the other side of the table in a, a prior uh you know, position I was in as a, a vice president of operations at IPG Photonics. I interacted with board members uh, quite regularly, um, but certainly hadn't uh, been in the seat of the the board member uh, themselves, and and really needed to needed to understand from some of the senior members of the board. Yeah. What am I supposed to do? Right. You know, what am I supposed to provide as far as value right. to uh, the board and to MEP? Um, yeah, so with that being said, um, it was a an interesting couple of years where there was, you know, transitions uh, within uh, MEP, mm-hmm. uh, retirement of the CEO, um, thrusting the board into the position of having to go out and recruit. Uh, it was also during a period where a number of the board members were um, reaching the end of their tenure, mm-hmm. okay? Um, and we we became a little bit more formal. We gained a greater understanding of the bylaws um, for the board of directors and in that realized that there were term limits in that we had a number of legacy board members that were uh, well beyond. Yeah. <laughs> and as such, we had to, you know, put plans in place to manage that. And, and we have. Um, so even at, at two years, which isn't a long time, I'm probably one of the more senior active members of the board at, at this point in time. Wow, that's a quick transition, huh? You come yeah. in, you learn the ropes, and you realize, oh my god, everyone has to go. <laughs> <laughs> pretty, pretty much, and and through that, and through that, um, one of the folks that needed to uh, transition was the prior uh, chairman of the board, right. and uh, through a board discussion. You know, uh, there was the need for somebody to step up and volunteer, yeah. and um, I you certainly. You remember, you stepped up and volunteered. I, 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 <laughs> yeah. That, 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 and the, uh, the the crickets that I heard on the phone at the time. <laughs> so, All right, I'll do it. Just <laughs> my arm, sure. But I certainly, I'm gonna I'm tell you, I certainly uh, stated that I will do it. But I still have a lot to learn. Yeah. You know, I'm stepping into a role of right. which I don't have any prior experience, yeah. but more than happy to uh, learn on the fly. Yeah, that's awesome. So. Have you been through anything like this before, Dennis, like on your professional side with OFS? Have you been through transitions like this and did they help you at all? Or I have, um, you know, go back a little over 20 years and in, in, and actually was with... Um, OFS, but it was the prior named company, uh, Spectran. Um, 
I was working in the same building in Sturbridge, and we had a division down in Avon, Connecticut, and there was a uh, transition that occurred of which um, the senior staff was uh, all moved on at the same time. Okay. 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 And um, they they recruited me to, to go down there as uh, director of manufacturing. Um, so you have a division without leadership, right? Yeah. Um, you have, uh, you know, corporate looking for results. Yeah. And myself, uh, there was going to be a uh, president slash CEO coming on board, a my boss, right. which I would have loved to have met prior to taking the position. And thank goodness it did work out yeah. well that we had good synergy. But um, we had to really get in, kind of gain the respect of the workforce up with a strategy because there were issues that, that we had to resolve, right. um, performance that we had to improve. And we, we came up with a plan. We discussed the plan. We got buy-in. Uh, we got input. And we moved it forward and we had success. And, right. um, you know, as far as uh, aligning that here with with MEP, certainly there was a, a leadership void for a period, yeah. and you know there's been some um, shifts in strategy over the years, and which you know may raise some questions as to okay, what is the uh, most appropriate strategy for for moving forward, and um, you know engaging with other board members and the leadership team here and. I think one of the best things we did through the transitional period is not be shy about bringing in other resources, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. former MEP um, individuals, yeah. uh, individuals from MEPs in other states. And, you know, it, it isn't all about it having to be any one person's idea or strategy. Let's right. get all the right people together and put our heads together and uh, come up with the best plan of attack for moving forward. So the the board has done a fantastic job in getting to learn the organization because, like Dennis said, there's been transition, right? Yeah. So Haley, you had said I came back. I was just about just over two years ago yeah. that I transitioned out, and the it's pretty much a new board. I mean, there's yeah. some some overlap, but it's. But they've done a. They're very active. They're very engaging. Yeah. They're very um, committed to the organization and making sure that we're successful. Yeah. And they're because the majority of them are manufacturers. It's we have that insight now. Yeah. Um, and they and they're not shy to share their opinion. And that's yeah. exactly how they should be. Yeah. Um, so it's it's great to have that feedback and those sounding boards and yeah. hear their hear where they think manufacturing is going. Yeah. It is a great, great asset to have. So welcome back to you. you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So obviously that process that you went through as a board, we, you know, we're very thankful for it. Um, And it is great to see this new outlook kind of that we have. It's very exciting for us, you know, as a group and knowing where we're going and having, you know, we do have that full support all the way through we're really vertically integrated i feel now mm-hmm. um more cohesive and just like i just we almost like a powerhouse 
pushing yeah. forward. You know, we had like a team. You got you have you, know, you might have a good season, and then the next year you go five hundred, and then you got a rebuilding year. And we, <laughs> we cleared the hurdle. We're done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hurdles came our way, and we cleared yeah. them. Now we're you know now we're coming looking for you know three p five p whatever we can do. That's what we're <laughs> going to get that championship right. right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what we're looking for yep. right now. So that's where we're headed. So yeah, yeah. yeah. It's exciting. It's yeah. really it's yeah. an exciting time for Mass MEP. It's an exciting time for manufacturing. Um, it's exciting. The even the staff here. I mean, there's about a third. Yes. Almost half of the staff. Yeah. Um, that's new. So in, engaging, great ideas, great energy. Yeah. So it's exciting. So after your break, what were you most excited about coming back? I say I we'll call it a break. Like okay. Ross and Rachel had a break. Right on Friends. Yeah, so we had. See, I get that reference. Oh, you got that one. Yeah, she doesn't get. So it's gonna be fun for us. That's gonna be the most interesting, interesting part for my wife, right there. Right there. Yeah, she did. They went on a break. They yeah. always mention things, yeah. and I. But were they really on a break? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I get thrown under. Yeah. So you were on a break. I was on a break. Yeah. And then you came back. What were you most excited about, though, when you came back to us? So I was most excited about um, the team, yeah. Um, especially, you know, a lot of people I had hired. Um, yeah. So I was excited to work with everyone again. Yeah. But I was also excited on the feedback I had heard about the board yeah. and how engaged they were and how supportive they were. So it was that cohesiveness. Yeah. Um, awesome. And I do think that um, there's a balance that needs to be struck. And what I mean is that the board is is very engaged, and the board, you know, certainly has um, a vision and interests and direction that we yeah. love to see the organization go. Right. And but there's some realities that you can't have things necessarily overnight. Yeah. We have to maintain, <laughs> you know, um, kind of a plan and 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 take the uh, steps forward at the right time, and you know, really. Th- Quite honestly, think about, uh, you know, the workforce and um, just be in sync with everybody as far as the direction we're heading uh, and how we intend to uh, do so. So in the two years, you were at Polaris in Rhode Island. I was. So do you feel your experiences there um, have kind of offered you a different perspective now that you're back working for MassMEP, manufacturing in the state of Massachusetts? So one of the benefits of being in Rhode Island is that there was two things. One, it was a, it's a smaller center, so it's more um, less. There's we were doing similar things, right? So it's a yeah. smaller center, smaller state, um, so you kind of get to interact different at different levels. Um, the other thing was when I was here previously, I didn't have a lot of um, interaction with the legislators and at that level, and I did in Rhode Island, okay. so it was learning that piece of it and seeing it from a different perspective. Yeah. Um, did you enjoy that? I did. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I did. Um, but it was fun. So now it's I have a better understanding, um, and my boss was very helpful in like, okay, this is how you want to present it. This is that message. This is so that that was that good that mentor learning curve there. Um, the other thing is that there's a lot of, I mean, we're New England, right? If you mm-hmm. think about the states, manufacturing doesn't stop at the state line. Yeah. There's a lot of opportunities to collaborate. I fully understand what's going on in Rhode Island. So <laughs> that easy collaboration, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. yeah, they can do this. They did this. Yeah. We had that. They, right. have, they have different workforce programs, right? right? So there's things that we can benefit from. There's things, they learn things from me, right, that we could collaborate on. We're already talking about doing another grant together. So there's that 
collaboration. Um, there's a lot of synergy between Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and Connecticut, especially in the defense industry, right. because of electric boat and their supply mm-hmm. chain um, okay. piece of it. So there's obviously growth opportunities there for all all of the centers. So yeah, that's awesome. All right, so the big topic right now. This is where this, this is, is where Haley's gonna. So I say throw chips, me under, right? So we're um, we're gonna talk about chips, and I said not the reboot of the show. Yeah, I said, what the heck is that? I didn't even watch Chips when I was younger. But you at <laughs> least knew. Thank you. Know. I know of it, but I didn't watch it. Chips. See, we yeah. came in this together. I you said, guys just didn't know it. I said it. John and Poch. How do you not know who they are? I don't know who they are. She said, what is Chips? I go, California <laughs> Highway Patrol. Who yeah, knows small eye. Yeah, right? It was a small eye. Small eye, though, because the eye, yeah. It was a small eye. Small eye, because it's yeah. CHP, but they made it Chips. So with that reference, I did look up what this chip stands for. Okay, you did. I did. Okay. (laughs) So it's creating helpful incentives to produce semiconductors. Yes. I'm see it's all on the TV now. All of a sudden it's Mm -hmm. become, you know, I know people are using it for their campaign slogans or whatever it may be, but for people who don't know, you know, what what is it? So there is a there is funding out there for the CHIPS Act, um, and that is to support manufacturing. And the reason behind it is there is a China challenge um, that Beijing made, um, Beijing's Made in China 2025 plan, and it calls for huge investments in the semiconductor design and manufacturing. And by 2030, it's estimated that China's shore, share of global chip production will reach 24%. Now, what that means is that the impact on that is, all right, hold on. Um, If Beijing achieves this sort of dominance in semiconductors, the U.S. risks being dependent on China for yet another key technology. I was going to say, that percentage is incredibly high. Yeah. Yeah. And while the U.S. is currently dominant in the chip design, we don't manufacture. They're Mm -hmm. currently being primarily manufactured in China. Um, So... This trend could draw more chip manufacturing, design, and related software industries towards toward China. So it's part of the whole bring it back domestic yes. manufacturing yep. campaign. Okay. Um, but if you think about where the chips are used, um, we need to have, we being the U.S., need to have a critical mass of manufacturing in each sector of semiconductor production, particularly in memory and LED chips. So the lighting, you think right now, right? Production of memory chips is extremely limited to almost non-existent when it comes to LEDs. Mm -hmm. And these are essential to your home, your business. Think about anything that uses any kind of chip. That is what we're talking about. That is the impact on the United States. You saw that during COVID too when it was, I might misspeak, but I misspoke, but I think Ford was the one where they had like... Oh, car production went down. Cars, but... They, they weren't functional because they were missing the chip, but we couldn't get we because of all of our we imports coming in. Yes, we didn't manufacture, import, okay. right. but everything was delayed, so it was well, like three months worth of cars sitting on the line that no one could utilize. Well, not even cars. It's um, you know any kind of machinery, right? Uses chips. A lot of machinery uses chips. Yeah. Yeah. Um, any kind of home sensors. Yeah. Will they use the chips? pieces of it yeah think sensors of like it. like automatic lights yeah yeah like all those sensors yeah your phone yeah has yeah. chips in it yeah um different types i mean obviously different types yeah 
But the other thing is, is that, you know, a lot of the states are saying, okay, we have to be, you know, 30% of our car production, auto production needs to be electrical with by 2030. Right. That's all chip related. Yeah. And if we don't produce them, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Okay. So that is why it's so important. Um, it's also the, the pandemic realized how much, how reliant we are on for China. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so you think about the recession in 08, 09, um, manufacturing went offshore because it was cheaper. Correct. Now we need to bring it back. Yeah. Um, and that is what this whole piece is about. So Mass MEP is here to help make sure that the companies that are here today stay here. Right. Um, but also, how do we make sure that companies that are supporting these industries, right? Because to build a semiconductor plant is extremely expensive. Okay. So they're going to build them where they already exist. They're going to expand where they already exist. Okay. But there are companies in this state that are part of the supply chain. So how do we make sure that they're efficient, that they're producing some, they're producing what they need to make those connections, and that's where we come in as an organization. Mm-hmm. How do we help them work better, make connections, supply and network connections, technology connections? So did COVID kind of just expose our reliance on other countries to Absolutely. produce them, or were we just... Like, was that something from COVID? We went overseas because it was cheaper, or were we not producing? No, we've been going overseas slowly since, like, 08, 09. Yeah, I do recall when I'm old enough to know when chips were produced here in the United States. And I kind of look at it as if, uh, you know, the U.S. as a business itself. And, you know, at that time, there were simple business decisions that are made, make versus buy. and, And, well... You know, we could buy it cheaper yeah. overseas at that time, and there was a shift. And what the mindset that, in my estimation, was missing was kind of tied to the element of uh, business continuity and business risk. Yeah. Okay, what what position are we putting ourselves in by way of letting that all go offshore? Right. <laughs> and it was fine for years yeah. until such time as you have COVID and the supply chain issues. And now we have this world where, you know, people are mad at each other and that's impacting. Um, the Ukraine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah, um, everything, yeah. So all of those things uh, make us step back and say, hey, wait a second, we need to get more being produced within our own shores. And um, it, it, it's, in my estimation, it's the same mindset that uh, business leaders, mm-hmm. you know, need to have in, in governing their own uh, yeah. business. Uh, right. That's why Amazon was so successful during COVID, right? Everything shut down. You couldn't buy toilet paper. You couldn't buy anything. And then you had Amazon and the whole country basically relied on this one business to ship everything out. I think it just showed, like, if you have it within the walls of, of the country, it's yeah. more easily accessible when yeah. something... Yeah. Yeah, there's a, horrible happens like a pandemic. It's, it's always a balance that needs to be maintained. Um, relying, you know, for, for OFS, uh, for example, if we have a, a singular supplier for a raw material that especially is, is overseas, yeah. we're at risk. We're going to yeah, be thinking right. about how are we going to supplement yeah. uh, our supply with, with another supplier of that right. material. Right. So in... Yeah, um, I think there's some lessons that the U.S. government uh, is learning here, and I think we'll be better positioned um, to be a little more self-sustaining moving forward. And I will say, though, uh, from my own perspective, that doesn't mean 
we should be just fully. I think we still need a global economy and uh, just maintain some balance between the two. Yeah. It it ties into the risk assessment that you were talking about earlier. Yes. Yes. Right. Yeah. So what's the risk assessment that you're putting yourself in? And I think the pandemic really bubbled that up front. We started a little bit after 2009-11 when the air air traffic shut down. Um, yeah. We saw it a little bit, but that turned around so quickly um, mm-hmm. that I think it kind of it slowly has got back again. the The other thing is that um, we have to look at the cost of things, right, mm-hmm. and make sure that we can maintain that in the United States. Right. So, yeah. Right. So, what else is interesting to me here? So, this is a, a shift in strategy, right? Mm-hmm. And the chips piece is, you know, one of the elements supporting this this new strategy, mm-hmm. and but that's not the only piece. No. Yeah. And um, and I don't, I can't sit here and say that I um, know firsthand what they are. But for example, I do believe workforce yep. is a big part of that, and there's a lot of work to be done to position our workforce to support. Um, growing that manufacturing segment in this country. Agree. Yeah. And the the other piece of it is um, where can you buy the product, right? So yeah. that, you know, the whole supply chain matchmaking, supplier scouting piece, you know, you yes. could have an example of you have a company looking for this one material and they don't know that the guy down the street is yep. making exactly what they need. Yep. So how do we make more manufacturing aware of that? And that's how an MEP center helps both with that supplier scouting because we are one of 50 There's 51 MEP centers, so the 50 states plus Puerto Rico um, across the country that we have access to all that information too. So we can, you know, we have the ability if you are looking for this material or say someone that can produce a bottle cap, um, how do we, how do we contact other companies that may have down lines that could produce that? Yeah. I think pre-pandemic, my perception of manufacturing, it was very, very, we only make this product, this is it, in these lines. But I think recognizing the flexibility that they had out of the, after the pandemic is going to be a a sweet spot. I think that was a silver lining that came out of the pandemic. Yeah. That manufacturers are realizing, oh, we're a lot more flexible than we thought, both with their employees and their production lines, I think. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a, I think. So that kind of goes into our, the NIST initiatives, mm-hmm. which is the National Institute of Standards and Technologies, which we fall under them. So talk about their standards. And then I know that you actually have an example of us connecting with other MEP centers and getting something to another state that oh, allowed yeah. them. So hit, can you hit both of that? Yeah, I can. All right. <laughs> the wheels are like, wait, I do me. know this. I'm like, oh, you know this. And if you don't, it's all right. I got your back. <laughs> oh, I had a panic moment there. <laughs> I'm like, I wait, saw your where, whole face where, is going, where is she going with it? All right. Uh. Yeah, you're good. So the... Yes, um, the MEP centers are part of the federal NIST program. Um, MEP stands for Manufacturing Extension Partnership, um, and partnership is a key part of what we do both in the state with other organizations because yeah. we can't do it all, yeah. um, both but also across the country, right? Because manufacturing lines, like I said, don't stop at the state yeah. border. The other, um, so we are. Um, one of the one of the things that came out when I talk about supplier scouting was 
with Hurricane Ian down in Florida, yeah. they were looking for defibrillators yep. um, because part of the, ho- the hospitals got decimated because of the hurricane water. Um, they couldn't work with, and they had obviously needed them for um, recovery. So they put out a notice to all the MEP centers, and we were able to make a connection with a manufacturer here in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. So there was an additional, you know, sales for them, but also the goodwill of knowing that they're sending these defibrillators where they're needed. But they wouldn't have known that yeah. without the MEP network. So it's building up those supply chain um, opportunities for manufacturing companies. Um, and it's and that's what we do. We're a connector, right? Yeah. Um, we connect the resources to where they need to be. So. Right. right. I thought that was a neat story, too, because since I've been here, I think, at least from my perspective, that's one of the most impactful things I've seen as far as our network goes. Because yeah. it's, you know, the other side of the country, essentially. Yeah. And um, just being able to see us impact, you know, a horrible moment for the people down there. Yeah. But just being able to be a support system, I thought was really neat to see. Because who would have thought up in Massachusetts that we could have helped out in, in the way that we did? Yeah. I think it was really... I think, really too, from, you know, that was the first time we were personally connected. So we've had yeah. a lot of these other moments where we've been... We might know or we might send somebody Mm -hmm. that way. But for us to have that direct, you're right, it Mm -hmm. was pretty cool. And that's where that mindset came from of when the pandemic was happening. We would talk to a lot of Mm -hmm. manufacturers that, you know, they were allowed to stay open and still keep working. And the biggest thing that came out of that was their pride. And now we get complete understanding of that. Not Mm -hmm. that we didn't really understand it before, but now we were lucky to see it firsthand as well. And that Mm -hmm. pride pulls forward through it. Yeah, it's a pretty cool, cool opportunity. And manufacturing was one of the only industries that stayed open yeah. through the whole pandemic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, that if you think about the shift right there, right? Yeah. Yeah. What a facility looks like and keeping the employees safe and they did it. Yeah. You know, yeah. they, they were able to do it and sustain and provide materials to help through with PPE and yeah. textile mm-hmm. companies shifting over to make medical gowns yeah. and so yeah, I think I was an outlier for that one too with manufacturing I got lucky since this is my first job out of school because mm-hmm. when my friends were going for jobs it took yeah. some of my friends months and months yeah. to secure yeah. a position yeah. where I came in and you guys were like oh we need this yep. yeah. and I was like it's it was at, still at the time when <clears throat> we weren't facing a shortage of jobs as we are now it's right. like people were desperate for positions yeah. but no one could fill them so when I got a job right away it was my friends were like, what the heck? Yep. You, so it's, it's manufacturing, though. I mean, everyone yeah. was still operating because they yeah. were relying on us. Yep. yep. Deemed an essential uh, business and yep. as such had yep. to operate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. Oof. Well, bringing it to today, Dennis, I'm going to put you back mm. in the spotlight again. Okay. Um, so, you know, f- from OFS, what are some of the challenges that, that you guys are facing today? And then on the flip end, what's working, you know, really great today? And I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it in reverse. Okay. Okay. Give us the good first. I'm gonna give you the good. I'm gonna give you the good. And there's a, there's a re- reason I'm gonna give you the good. Um, it has to do with, with moving on a strategy, right? Evaluating your business, understanding your needs, and moving on a strategy. Well, a couple of years ago, we came to realize that, um, based on call it the laws of uh, supply and demand for the optical fiber product that that we provide, we realized that for us to realize our potential, we had to be that provider of the highest quality 
multi-mode optical fiber. And to get there, we had to um, execute on some engineering and manufacturing plans that fundamentally uh, doubled the availability of our premium products over a short period of time put ourselves in position to, um, you know, sell those at, you know, appropriate uh, pricing and, you know, help our division, um, you know, be a profitable uh, business uh, supporting our corporation. So you have a strategy. It's working. Well, I get news for you. You know, it doesn't continue to work forever. <laughs> uh, things do change. Uh, the, the climate changes uh, for the market segment that we play in. Uh, we saw uh, shifts where demand for a related product, what's called uh, single mode optical fiber. It's, uh, we have a sister division that makes this. Uh, absolutely skyrocketed. Um, we saw a lot of our customers that that bought both, you know, shift a little more of their resources towards the single mode, our sister division's product, and saw a little bit of a demand drop for our product. So, um, you know, time to get the, the heads together and talk about how do we overcome this. And, you know, we have uh, just come off the heels of a, a nice strategy session with um, uh, this is great that it was at the tail end of COVID because we actually had um, sales and product management people from all over the world come into, you know, little Sturbridge, Massachusetts <laughs> and get together face to face and talk about our plans to grow the top line. Right. And so. I think the, the, the point I want to get across here is, um, you know, it's great coming up with a strategy. Don't think that because you have what you deem a good one here and now that it's going to last yeah. forever. <laughs> Keep your fingers on the pulse yeah. of yes. the business. Um, get as much forward-looking information as you can. Try to anticipate shifts. And... Um, the more you can get a, ahead of those, the better off uh, we're going to be. You know, we're. I, I wish we were a little more ahead of of ours. You know, we're we're reacting a little bit uh, versus uh, anticipating. But nonetheless, we have a good plan uh, in place that we're uh, starting to execute on here and now, yeah. and we're monitoring. Um, I'm actually pleased to to say that we're going to be uh, presenting this plan to our our new CEO this Friday, who's visiting our division for the first time. There you go. So, Good luck. so game on. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. That's normally when people take a step back too, right? It's always when you're doing really well, and then everyone kind of gets comfortable. Yes. But you have to be careful. Punch. Yeah. 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 Punch. Gonna be ready for. Yeah. 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 That's a good. I point. listened. To, I listened to a podcast. Um, on my drive. Yeah. And I, they, um, so it's, what is it? People, profit, production, and prepare. Oh. The fourth P. They're yes. starting to add the fourth, fourth P now. Fourth P, okay. Yeah. After, yeah. The, after the pandemic. People, production, profit, production, people, prepare. Yeah, I tie that prepare to yeah. business continuity and, you know, maintaining yeah. visibility, you know, across the, the many elements of a, a good business continuity plan. Yeah. Right. We always use that line you just said, proactive and not reactive. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we use it, I use it in sports for coaching, but in the business world, I don't know. I really like that point. Yeah. I think it's something people 
it's easy to look over. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, it's easy to react. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, To get ahead of it. Be proactive. Yeah, that's that's how you keep profits where you want them to be, or you know, mitigate losses um, if if something you know working against you is coming down the pike. Yeah. So on your side of it, Kathy, what do you see for manufacturers? Obviously, that's, you know, Dennis is a manufacturer. That's his perspective. Mm -hmm. But from our side of it, what do you have you seen like as you feel is a big challenge that we've been through and that what do you see is working well right now? So the um, the workforce piece, I mean, you know, not just manufacturing, every company is struggling to find workers. so I think that that's a huge piece of it. How do they use that? But I think that the technology that's coming down the pipeline and the accessibility of the t- of the technology yeah. is going to be able to help the companies with that workforce issue. Yeah. Not eliminating jobs. I'm not saying that at all. Right. I'm just saying if you, you know, using my very simplistic production line example, mm-hmm. if you have 10 people pre-pandemic and now you have eight, for whatever reason, two people didn't come back, yeah. your production's obviously gone down. You can't fill, you know, if a company's having trouble filling those two positions there's an opportunity there for technology to help them Um, and that's and that's where we're heading as an MEP center um, and bringing those those awareness and that education to the companies on opportunities that can help them Um, but it's not it's also thinking a little bit outside of the box not the traditional college student or high school student going into manufacturing what are some other opportunities I think People did a lot of life reflection during the pandemic. Some people may have left a job that they didn't like or were underpaid or underserved. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's training opportunities there for them. You know, the mass hires, there's some of the associations that we work with, the community colleges, the state has fantastic programs to help offset some just certificate programs. Mass MEP does. Um, So there's lots of upskilling training opportunities in the state um, and reaching people that may want a career change, um, you know, that we're looking for. Um, And, you know, it's, I I had a company in Rhode Island that was struggling and he offered the guy that was there every day at six o'clock in the morning, smiling, happy, delivering, and he offered him a job and trained him. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's like he showed up every day. That's great. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. He, he's like he's like I'll I'll hire you. He's like, what do you make? And he told me he offered him three dollars more an hour. Wow. And he's like, you're here every day at six o'clock in the morning with a smile on. Yeah. <laughs> Teach me how to do that. <laughs> six o'clock in the morning, I'm headphones in. Man, there there are new realizations that um, come to my mind. You know, just fresh from this conversation, um, other other things this week tied to work, and and one specific example here is is this balance over, you know, having a manufacturing facility that is a heavily manpower intensive versus uh, automation in that you know place in between, you know, that yeah. balance of the both, yeah. and there are a lot of factors to to consider. Um, you know, one is you're talking about resource availability you know out you know west of uh, auburn here on route 20 there's this massive amazon facility going up yeah. and i know that for our little business in sturbridge we're going to be competing for resources with you know that operation yeah. it's going to be challenging for us yeah. um so we what i've come to realize and you know this is i guess it's 
good and bad in a sense. Uh, Kathy and I have had this conversation before. I'm still, I'm still gaining an understanding of you know, the offerings, the value that uh, Mass MEP can provide. You know, our, our business is a, is a client and we're doing work um, with Mass MEP here and now. And there's a, you know, uh, one element of it, I fully recognize, you know, some of the fundamental training uh, pieces that we've utilized before. But there are other elements that I hadn't utilized before. Um, um, one of the uh, reps here, Mike Hebert, um, hooked us up with uh, another gentleman um, that has ties to NIST for some heavy technical support to help us solve a problem that something we've been working on for years and haven't gotten over the top of, and I am excited to engage them. But I didn't know that that avenue existed. Yeah. You know, another has to do with... Um, um, you know, we're looking to realign one of our manufacturing departments in uh, this element of bringing in players to to do um, an analysis and, and actually come back and provide a recommendation yeah. as part of it. Did not know that yeah. opportunity existed. Um, so, yeah, there's there's and another one is just a, for capital support. Yeah. Um, you know, this is I hate to term it free money kind of thing but right. that's right. what we're talking about here yeah. and it, it helps us you know we're we're you know a, a division that you know works hard for profitability and every little bit of help that we can get is important yeah. and so yeah we um you know subscribe to uh one of those programs for capital uh, reimbursement 50 percent yeah. and um we'll continue to look for programs of that nature and so, I mean, my the lesson learned, everything, you know, when you're in manufacturing long enough, you you think about lessons learned. And for me, the lesson learned is stay engaged you know, as a client. I'm not talking about as a the chairman of the board here, yeah. but as a client, stay yeah. engaged and understand what uh, MEP has to offer. Um, I know that um, Kathy and the team is working really hard to, to, to advertise, to get the word out. Um, but it's hard. Yeah. It's hard. It and, um, you know, I, 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 I'm seeing enough value, you know, here and now where um, it's important enough for me, instead of even waiting for to, to learn something, to just pick up the phone and ask, yeah. hey, what so, do you have to support this or that? That's exactly what we want our client yeah. or any manufacturer to do. Because if we can't help, we probably know someone in the state that can. Yeah. Um, and that's yeah. part of the partnership piece, right? Yeah. It's the connection piece, yeah. the connector that we can do. Um, yeah. You know, there's state programs out there that we can help you with. Um, I was at an event last night and they asked about the STEP program, which is a a, a NETAC grant um, and I was the only one that raised my hand and I don't think the guy believed me that I knew what he was talking about <laughs> I'm like no I know <laughs> but it, so it's those those types of resources out because there is a lot of funds available to help companies yeah. um, and a lot of resources that want to help companies so I think that that's the because it's it's an economic driver for the state yes um, yeah so even even today, just learning of the internship program oh, yeah. of which the state funds it, it's, you know, some very nominal 
you know, singular fee the company yeah. pays, but you don't even have to pay the salary of the yeah. the intern. You, you talk about a win-win. Yes. Absolutely. This is, yeah. this is it's just fantastic. And that uh, was even something new information. I, learned, I learned about today. I know. I, I hear you. You just mentioned the discussion, and I'm like, I didn't know, which is great, right? <laughs> wow, that's great. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so a lot of value adds. A lot of value adds yeah. that we have. And the, like you're saying, you know, and when you say that, Dennis, when you say about us trying to get the message out, you saying what you said and being supportive and you're a true testament and seeing what we have to offer that helps us get the word out you know we like a another manufacturer who can it creates that relevancy and that's what helps um i think eliminate that fear of oh yeah no that's too much or we can't get involved with that so you on your perspective of it as a manufacturer really create that connection for them and they can go back and go, you know what, maybe we should call them and get involved more often and, and be a part of it. So yeah, absolutely. And everybody will ask you, is there a fee? No, there's no fee. We're just here as MEP. We just want to help. We just want to help. We just want to help. That's the part that I crazy right? I feel that people just don't believe it yeah yeah yes and nope yeah, this it's, like it's, it's gonna cost me what's yeah. it cost to yeah. me yeah. yeah yeah you actually don't realize but as long you you know you're paying your taxes you're like you're yeah. saying the economic driver part of the infrastructure of the state you're mm. giving back so take advantage of what you're giving back to exactly it's really where it comes from right in most yeah. of these cases so you know it's yeah. it's really your money it is. Well, it is. It is. We're just helping. Yeah, right? yeah. We're helping you find how to use it better and yeah. for different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. 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 No, it's the, the state um, and federal government works that way. I've actually seen it um, in another area just with respect to uh, electricity. We if you pay into programs. We buy an energy efficient uh, piece of equipment. Yeah. We get money back from the state. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, and it's similar. You know, with Mass MEP, yeah, there's money yeah. there to yeah. be had, and yeah. I just hope I hope more and more folks um, yeah. aren't shy about picking up the phone and and you know making a call and seeing how uh, Mass MEP can help them out. Yeah. Or if you are shy, massmep.org. Check it out for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> we do have a website. There yes, we go. do. That was good. Mm-hmm. That was good. Yep. Yeah. Well, thanks, guys. I uh, We appreciate you coming out um, spending a little extra time with us. And hopefully we got the message out, the word that uh, we're happy to have Kathy back with us. I'm um, thrilled to be back. Yes. Yes. We are so excited. And we thank you, Dennis, for being a part of this with us and this journey that we're on now. Absolutely a pleasure. Yeah. So we're uh, we're looking forward to 2023. Thank uh, you for having us. Yeah. This is great. Yeah. And beyond. So yeah. we will, maybe we'll have you guys back. Um, how long's your term, Dennis? You have how long left? I, I have one year left in my first term and there's a max of two terms. Okay. All right. So maybe so. we'll... We'll definitely have you guys back again, talk a little bit more, especially if there's anything new or exciting going on that we need to let people know about. This is how we do it. So I'll be back. Yeah. And the only way my wife will continue to listen is if there's more uh, friends Friends reference. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Noted. Noted. I also know that one, so I can be involved on that one, Haley. Yes. You're welcome. You're welcome. All right. Well, thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Mass MEP Manufacturing Podcast, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Mass MEP Manufacturing Podcast, Transforming Manufacturing Enterprises. You can subscribe to our channel anywhere you listen to your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, 
and you can always go to our website at massmap.org. So we'll see you next time, whether it's our space, your space, or cyberspace.